Hi and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you are currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at either our 10am or 4pm service. For more information about our Sunday service or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this great message from Sunday service. Let's get into the Word. We're starting our new series over the next four weeks called Devoted. The last number of weeks, we've been talking about Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We looked at Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell on 120 in the upper room and the, the fire of the Holy Spirit filled them and they spoke with tongues and they were filled with boldness and power and they went out witnessing and 3,000 people said yes to Jesus in that moment. And that was the beginning of the church on mission. The way Acts chapter 2 finishes is a little different The beginning of Acts chapter 2 is like, whoa! It's like you have to fasten your seatbelt. It's like, man, the power of God is moving and people are doing all kinds of strange things and it's wow! And then the rest of Acts chapter 2 is a little bit more sedate. Let me read it to you. Acts chapter 2 verses 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread And to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs that were being performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, so that they sold their property and their possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with gladness and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow. The beginning of Acts 2 is all about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We see a move of God. We see the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel chapter 2. As we now see the Spirit's poured on all flesh. But the second part of Acts chapter 2 talks about the church. Talks about what church is supposed to look like week in, week out. Talks about serving one another and having communion together. And it talks about prayer. It talks about devotion. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were devoted. What is the response to experiencing the overwhelming power of God? Devotion, commitment, and fellowship. What is that ringing? children. They were devoted. They were committed. We know the scriptures go on to tell us that most of these disciples were murdered and martyred for their faith. Talk about devotion. When your life is on the line, either you believe it or you don't. We struggle with commitment. The reality is our Western world uh, really conditions us to think temporal, temporary. 
We, we never really wholeheartedly give ourselves to anything. Most of us, we, we like our jobs. As long as my job continues to fulfill my needs and put a paycheck, yeah, I'm pretty committed. If the boss looked you in the eyes and said, would you give me 30 years? You'd probably say, no, <laughs> probably not. The problem is we have this in the moment. We're, we're committed. We're not really all that committed to churches. The reality is most of you have come from other churches to come to here. Commitment is kind of this funny thing where it's like, it's like we like it as long as it's meeting my needs. We do it with our marriages. You know, at the wedding, right? You know, I was really committed. You know, we prayed a whole bunch of things and declared a whole bunch, you know, for better or for worse, for sickness and in health, for richer or for poor, you know, until death do us part. Or she stops meeting my needs. The problem is, when we experience worse, when we experience sickness, when we experience poorer, we kind of are not so committed anymore. We do this with our relationships. I'm really committed to the relationships that are committed to me. But the moment I'm not so sure, we struggle with devotion and we struggle with commitment and we struggle with being sold out. We all do. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells us what the kingdom is like. Matthew 13, 44, he says, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and he hid for the joy over it. And he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. It's, it's, it's a bit more like this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who seeks beautiful pearls who when he finds the one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had to buy it. Sold out is the response when you encounter the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get so caught up in Holy Spirit manifestation that we lose focus on devotion. I've met a lot of people who chase the Holy Spirit kind of like a drug where we look for the next hit and the next hit and I got to get to the next conference and I got to have the next thing and the next thing. And what we do is, is we go chasing after manifestations and we fail to live committed, devoted, grounded followers of Jesus Christ. And I actually believe that when you have had a genuine personal, real encounter with Jesus, when you have experienced the person of the Holy Spirit and felt his presence, devotion, it's the only real response. It's the only valid response. Jesus has an incredible way of stopping you in your tracks, arresting your heart's attention, flooding you and overwhelming you, and then he invites you into commitment and devotion. And this is where we struggle. Because commitment and devotion to Jesus is not easy. Commitment and devotion to Jesus is expensive. Literally, my commitment and my devotion to Jesus has cost me everything. It's cost me my home country. It's cost me financially. It's cost me 
in, in, in my relationships. It's cost me in the things that I've wanted to do that God said no. It's cost me. But I've found in Scripture, it says, he who wants to gain his life must lose his life. And I have found that every time I lose my life for God, oh my word, have I known his goodness flooding my life and overwhelming me. I heard a great quote one time that said, sometimes you got to give up to go up. Every time I've ever chosen to be committed and devoted and give up, to follow after Jesus. Man, my life has just exploded and my life has been turned upside down. We see this right throughout scripture. Jesus has a way of interrupting your everyday life and the sellout factor is huge. We see it with the disciples in Luke chapter five. They go fishing and they catch so many fish that the net begins to break and the boat begins to sink. And Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you. And scripture tells us that these these disciples, these fishermen choose to forsake everything to follow after Jesus. They were devoted. They were sold out. Thomas, I think Thomas gets a bad rap. In John chapter 20, Thomas is is really feeling sorry for himself because he loved Jesus and Jesus has just been killed. And Thomas says, I'm never gonna believe in the resurrection until I put my finger in his nail holes and until I put my hand in his side, I'm never going to believe and Jesus shows up. Says, hey, Tommy, come here. Why don't you touch that? And the Bible says that Thomas is so gobsmacked. His, 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 I can just imagine he's stuttering and he's stammering. He says, My Lord and my God. When you experience Jesus, my Lord and my God has to be your response. Because the reality of who Christ is, it's too overwhelming. He's more than some self-help moral teacher. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Which means he needs to become Lord of my life. And I need to become devoted. I need to become sold out. I need to become committed in my pursuit to follow Jesus. In Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I say, yep, that sounds about right. Because when you have tasted and seen the goodness of God, devoted commitment, fellowship is the only response. Selling out to buy the field, selling out to buy the pearl is the key. Notice the four things they were devoted to. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Well, that's the word of God. They were devoted to scripture. They were devoted to fellowship. That's interesting. They were devoted to fellowship. That's the community. It doesn't say that they were devoted to the meeting, although it does say that they went to church every day. Some of us are like, church? Man, I find it hard to go once a week. I'm like more of a once a month kind of person. They went every day. Every day. I'm looking for once a week. They were a seven times a week kind of people. Could you just do one? Anyway. 
Now, some of you are like, he was looking at me when, I said that, when he said that. No, I wasn't. I can't really see you. The lights are blinding me. I'm pretending that you're all still there. So no, I wasn't picking on anyone specifically. But they were devoted to fellowship. That's the church. They were devoted to the breaking of prayer. That's communion. Uh, sorry, the breaking of bread. <laughs> and they were devoted to prayer. And I believe that this shows us four things we need to be devoted to. We need to be devoted to the word. We need to be devoted to the church. We need to be devoted to communion, Jesus. We need to be devoted to prayer. And so this is going to be the basis of our devoted series over the next couple of weeks. Today I want to talk in our time remaining, which is not much, about being devoted to the word. Devoted to the word. Because right now, our government is on a precipice. We're trying to figure out whether or not this is hate speech. We're trying to figure out if this is divisive and judgmental and whether or not this is good for our country. And even in Victoria, we're trying to decipher right now whether or not that book is dangerous. The answer is it's very dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. It's not dangerous to humanity. It's dangerous to Satan. It's dangerous to the kingdom of darkness that is trying to advance in the lives of men and women. The problem is, this book, if we can out, why would we outlaw this book? You outlaw this book because it's dangerous. And it says specifically that they were 100% devoted to the word of, or to the apostles teaching, which is the book of, the books of the Bible, the word of God. And so I want to talk this morning about the word of God itself, the Bible, because there's a lot of people that don't know what to do with the Bible. There's a lot of rumors. There's a lot of, yeah, I know, but haven't we lost the real meaning? Like, unless you understand the Greek, unless you really understand the Hebrew, how do we really know what it was trying to say? And so here's a couple of things that I want to tell you. As a church, this is who we are and this is what we believe. And we are devoted to the word of God. Okay, you ready? Number one, it is 100% God's word. There's supposed to be an apostrophe. I caught it in my notes before I sent it to you. Just for all the OCD people. Kaz, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I caught it this morning. To God's word. The Bible is 100% God's word. You have to understand that this wasn't just a book of moral teaching or a book of suggestions. This... Kaz, you can listen again. I know you turned off there for just a moment. Most people don't understand that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. Contrary to popular opinion and the Da Vinci Code, Scripture was not developed in a dark room by powerful men wanting to control the masses. Scripture was spoken by God to his prophets and they wrote down what... He wanted to say. Now, the important thing to understand here is that the Bible is not one book. The Bible is 66 different books. And, and these books were written by over 40 different authors spanning 
over 1,500 years. And yet they all speak one congruent message, which is a message of a loving God who wants to restore, heal, and bring home his creation. And what we don't understand is just how valid the, the, the culmination or the pulling together of the Bible really is. Do you know that the Bible, the New Testament, the, first, the, the 27 books of the New Testament that are after the life of Christ has 5,300 different manuscripts. Those are the old writings that validate what we currently have. We don't have one book of Matthew, one book of uh, Mark, one book of Luke, one book of John, one book of, of Acts. One bo- we have 5,300 different manuscripts that have been written throughout the history that validate the current scriptures that we currently have. There are more than 10,000 Latin manuscripts and 9,000 other manuscripts scripts copied in the early New Testament era. No other document in history has that much historical evidence to validate scripture. There is a book, one of the original books was, was, was written by a man named Homer and it was called the Iliad. Maybe you're familiar with it. The Iliad was a Greek writing that had 600 And 34 different manuscripts that validate its authenticity. No one ever questions Homer's Iliad. It's it's a well-known writing. It's a well-known ancient book. It has 634 manuscripts. Do you know that the New Testament alone has 24,000 manuscripts? This is why Richard Osling in Time Magazine. Time Magazine is not Christian. Not a not Christian program. In 1988, Richard Osling writes, One thing we can't deny about the Christians is the documentation that they have available across the centuries. Princeton is a university in the United States. One of their scholars, Bruce Medzer, says, After you take the, the 20,000 lines of the New Testament... It's safe for any scholar to say that there is at least a 99.6% accuracy to validate the scriptures. What the unchurched scholars have a problem with is the validity of scripture. They have a real problem with the fact that this book was written before the Romans. This book was written before the Catholic Church came to power. What this book, the the authenticity of Scripture, is unquestionable on both sides of the fence. What we question on is whether or not it makes, you know, that that God is who He says He is. But as far as the authenticity of the Scriptures themselves, it is without fail. So as a church, we believe that this is the Word of God. I was sitting on an airplane one time with a principal of a Catholic school. And his chaplain. And they caught me reading my Bible on the airplane. Which I tend to do. I like reading my Bible in public. Because it stirs people up. Makes them, what? What's this young guy doing reading the Bible? I said, yeah, keep going with that young stuff. (laughs) 
And they said, do, do you believe in the Bible? I said, yes, I do. I'm a Christian. And I could see their name tag, principal of so-and-so school, chaplain of so-and-so. I said, do you, you guys are obviously, you know, high up in the Catholic education. Do you believe in the Bible? And they said, not really. I said, what do you mean? They said, look, we believe some of it is God's word and we believe some of it is of men. And I was like, we, we had a huge conversation about this. I said, what do you mean some of it is and some of it isn't? And how do you know which is and which isn't? And, and then what, do you just pick and choose the parts that you like and don't like? And they said, yeah, pretty much. We like these parts. We don't like those parts. We don't really creationists. This is the chaplain and the principal. And, and, and the thing that we have to come to the understanding is either this is God's word or it isn't. And, and we can say, oh, I like the part about Jesus dying for my sins and forgiving me. That's a great part. But we don't like the whole devotion sold out, not doing whatever I want. We don't like that part. And the thing is, if this is God's word, then that means it is infallible. Yeah. It is without fail. Yeah. It means it is inerrant, which means it's without error. And it means it's authoritative, which means God's word trumps everything else in my life. There have been so many times where I've been well on my way to do this thing over here. And then I read something in scripture and I was like, Because I'm at a crossroads now. If God's word is authoritative. And I am devoted to the apostles doctrine. That means I'm devoted to the word of God. And the word of God governs my life and rules how I live. Martin Luther, the old reformer. Not Martin Luther King. The first Martin Luther. The German one. He says... When scripture speaks, God speaks. And, and if this is God's word, every time I open it, I have to understand that God is speaking to me. That, that this is not just, oh, it's a nice, oh, that's a nice book. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. No, I literally, when I open scripture, I don't go, oh, what, what good moral teaching am I going to get today? Where is my wife in error? Lord, give me something to go and correct your people with this weekend. That's not how I read my Bible. I literally open my Bible and I say, okay, God, what, what, what do you want to say to me? What are you saying to me? When I open this word, what are you saying? What are you speaking to me? Number two, it changes me. The Bible changes me. I don't change it. It's true that we might get into God's word, but more importantly, God's word needs to get into me. It's supposed to change me. It's supposed to confront me and challenge me. And it's supposed to help me realign my life. That's not very fun. Notice the lack of amens. You were all feeling how I was feeling. Was like, I don't know how I feel about that. I'll tell you how I feel about it. My flesh doesn't like it. My, 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 my pride doesn't like it. But my life desperately needs it to change me. When I open the word of God, it changes me. The problem is when we open up the scriptures, 
we kind of approach them with a bit of a cynical heart or an analytical heart. We read things and then we're trying to decide whether or not we agree with them. And this is where we get to the point of, yeah, I like that, so I'll agree with that. Or I don't like that, so I don't agree with that. And if the Bible is God's word, there are going to be parts of my life that don't line up with the word of God. And it's going to challenge me and put me in a place where I either have to change or I don't change. But the thing that we have to understand is that scripture was written to change me. I love what Pastor Shane Willard says when he preaches. He goes, I'm not looking for you to agree with me. I'm looking for me to challenge your thinking, give you something to chew on so that we can all become more like Jesus. I just assume when you don't tell me it was a great word that it challenged you. (laughs) If the Bible is the authoritative word of God, then we don't get to pick and choose the parts that we like and don't like. Or the parts that I'm comfortable with or the parts that I'm not comfortable with. And can I tell you, as your pastor, there are plenty of areas in this Bible that I am not comfortable with. They make me very uncomfortable. But I choose to believe that God's word is greater than my understanding. Isaiah tells me that his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so when I read his word, he downloads his ways to me and he downloads his thoughts to me and I need to realign. John Wesley in the 18th century says, In all cases, the church is to be judged by Scripture. Not the Scripture, by the church. Wow. This judges the church. Not the church judging this. Let me break that down for you. This judges my life. Not me judging the Word. Well, is it or isn't it? This is the authoritative word of God and it's designed to change me. It's designed to help me to become more like Jesus. And this word of God was what the disciples were 100% devoted to and willing to give their lives to. I always think that's interesting. Napoleon Bonaparte was once quoted saying, I trust those that are willing to get their throats cut. I trust those that are willing to get their throats cut. If you believe this is the word of God, there's going to come a time in our lives where we have to stand on this word of God and it is going to make us stand out as unpopular. Now, I'm not looking to co- for conflict. I am looking to be peaceable with all men But there is going to come a time where the truth of the word of God forces me to take a stand for what is right in God's eyes. And there was a time where the disciples and the early church had to take that stand. And if they weren't devoted to the word of God, they would not have died as martyrs for the word of God. Now, thank goodness we live in a country like Australia. But you must not be deceived. There are agendas from Satan being pushed through politics to silence and, de- and delay the advancement of the kingdom. And if we get to the place where the word of God is deemed as hate speech, 
Friends, it's going to be uncomfortable to be a Christian. We all look at Israel Folau and most of us think, come on, Izzy, should have kept shut. Come on, Izzy. Shh. We're all quite happy to hide our light under the bushel. Now, I do think Israel Folau picked a particularly provocative scripture. That's not the scripture I would lead with. I wouldn't lead with that. It's in here, and I believe that. But it's not what... Jesus says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, not the wrath. Love, grace, and acceptance is what brought me to Jesus. Not, turn or burn, you wicked sinner. I didn't respond to a turn or burn message. I respond to a loving God that loved me even though I was a mess. And so that's how we tend to preach here at Church Unlimited. That we're all desperately in need of the love of God. And His love is committed to changing me. Here's number three. If this is the Word of God and it is truth, then this is my path to freedom. This is my path to freedom. Jesus says in in John 8.32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Every time I open God's word, God's truth, and I read it and I apply it to my life, I am becoming more and more free. I'm not bound up in my own self. I'm not bound up in my own sinful desires. I'm not bound up in in afflictions from Satan that are wanting to limit me and and hold me down. I'm not bound up in all that crap because the truth of the word of God literally cuts off every limitation in my life so I can be free. The problem that we're not free is because we don't know the Word of God. We don't understand that the Word of God is truth. That when I open His Word, I hear His promises. And faith enters my heart. Romans chapter 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When I open up the Word of God, I hear the truth. And now I have a decision. I'm going to hold on to that truth or I'm not. thing you have to understand, friends, is truth always trumps facts and feelings. It always trumps facts and feelings. There are plenty of times where I open this up and I go, okay, that's true, but I don't really feel like that. Or, yeah, that's true, but, but Jesus, there's other facts that you're not considering. His truth trumps facts and feelings. And so I need to align myself through his word and I need to let this stand as the truth in my life. So many people say, well, you know, James, I just don't want to be fake anymore. You know, because, you know, I don't really feel it. And I say, okay, that's fine. I appreciate that. But fake is when you're operating contrary to truth. That's fake. Oh, well, I don't really feel very confident. You know, like I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not a very strong person. And, you know, I battle depression and I battle anxiety. And I'm, I'm just sick of being fake. You know, I'm not like a fake Christian. And I say to you this, this is where you need to be a faith Christian. A faith Christian. A faith Christian 
holds on to the substance of things hoped for, the things not yet seen. The facts are, maybe you do wrestle, wrestle with your, your, your depression and your anxiety, and that, that might be a true fact, and it might even produce a feeling. But the scripture tells me that I'm to be anxious for nothing, but in everything through truth and prayer and supplication, I'm to make my request known before the Lord and that he will give me a download of his peace, which surpasses my understanding and guards my heart and mind. I have to trust that even though I'm feeling a certain way and the facts might be telling me a certain thing, that the truth and the authority of the word of God is my freedom. You look at your marriage. Oh, I think they might be leaving me. We've been arguing for years and years and years. I think it might be over. Facts, your marriage is not great. Feelings, I'm full of bitterness, anger, resentment. Truth, whom God puts together, let no man separate. Oh. I always struggle when people come to me and they say, you know, I really feel a great peace about this divorce. I feel like this is a God thing. God cannot be contrary to his word. He can't. We love to, well, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, I know he kind of meant it, but I feel like in this case, I get an exemption. We're always looking for exemptions from the word of God. You know, it's like, well, I know what the word says about, you know, not being depressed and anxious. But facts, I might have sickness in my body. Feeling, I might feel really, really lousy. Truth, he heals all your iniquities. So I'm at a, this is where the Bible is challenging. And I need to not align myself with my facts and my feelings. I need to align myself with the truth of the word of God. And when I do so, the truth will make me free. My freedom is not found in facts and feelings. My freedom is found in the truth of the word of God and I need to allow it to change me and align me. All right, I'm getting worked up. Number four, it lights up my path. In the words of Amy Grant, and the psalmist David, thy word is a light unto, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you don't know that, you need to go find Amy. Maybe not the now Amy, but the old Amy. It's a lamp unto my feet. What does that mean? It means that God's word, as I study God's word and I study God's ways, he will show me how I am to live, how I am to be a man of God. He'll show me exactly what I need to do. And as I follow the word of God, I will prosper. If you want to know how to be a good husband, this will tell you. It's going to really confront you because you're going to have to read that part about dying. Hard to be a good husband if you're not willing to die. Give yourself up like Christ did for the church. That's really impossible, actually. If you want to know how to find a husband, it's also in here. 
If you want to know how to be a good employee, if you want to know how to get a promotion, if you want to know how to overcome heartache, if you want to know how to fight, if you want to know how to get rich, it's in here. This is the get rich manual. I love Dave Ramsey. I love the barefoot investor. I love him. But if you want to get rich, do that. Because when I obey the word of God, he builds my life. You're not always rich. Sometimes you go through hard times. That's why Paul says, I've learned to live in abundance and I've learned to live in lack. I'm grateful in everything. But if you want to prosper God's word, I invite the worship team to come. How do you engage in God's word? Let me just quickly land by saying this. In Joshua 1.8, it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you would observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Notice it doesn't say read the word or listen to the word. It says meditate on the word. Churn on the word. Wrestle the word. Study the word. Get into it. When I do, I make my way prosperous and I will find good success. Here's a couple of different ways that you engage the word of God. Number one, you need to journal the word of God. You guys would be a bit disappointed in me if you found how little I read the Bible. You'd be like, ew. I'll tell you. I literally read one chapter a day. (gasps) But you're like employed to be a professional Christian. (laughs) We pay you to read the Bible more than that. Here's the deal. I, I, I don't have wonderful reading comprehension. I struggled with it as a kid. I struggled with reading and remembering what I just read. And I used to sit down and I would try to read five chapters of the Bible and, you know, do the whole annual reading plan where you get the whole thing done in 365 days. I last a week and can't remember anything I just read. And so I made a decision that I was going to, instead of trying to do that and tick boxes, I was just going to read one chapter a day. And of that chapter, I was going to pick one verse that stood out to me. Well, I've been doing this for 21 years. I now have so much of the word of God in me because I choose to pick one chapter of the Bible and then journal. This is my private journal. I I literally pick one chapter. I write out the verse and I write out, What is that verse saying to me? And I meditate on it and I churn on it. And I'm literally not trying to remember all of John chapter 5. I'm just trying to remember John chapter 5 verse 1. And if you do that, more days than you don't. It's amazing how the Word of God will get into you because you're churning on it and you're meditating on it. Most of us don't know our Bibles because... We don't know how to read our Bibles and get something out of it. My grandfather once said to me, he said, James, I can give you gold nuggets or I can take you to the gold mine and teach you how to mine your own gold. What's the old adage? Teach a man, uh, give a man a fish, he'll be filled for a day. Teach a man a fish and he'll be filled for his lifetime. You and I need to get into the word of God and you can't just show up on Sunday to get what I'm going to give you. 
If this is the only Bible you're getting in your week, friend, no wonder you're not finding victory. No wonder you don't know the truth and the truth is not setting you free. So we need to be devoted to getting into Scripture. This is how I do it. Show me the soap method. Do we have all that up there? I write out the whole Scripture. This is going to be emailed out in our sermon notes this week. If you don't get the sermon notes... They're a really good way to get the devotion of what God... I loved reading Pastor Wayne's devotion notes from last weekend. I'm sitting here going, yeah, I need that in my life. The devotion notes are designed to help us have a devotional life. Not just another church email. I know you get a few. I write out my observations. What do you believe this verse is saying? I write out the application. How does this apply to me? This is not a verse for Paula. It's a verse for me. And then I write out a prayer. I didn't need to memorize the word. Memorize the word? No, 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 no. I've got the manual right here. Why do I have to memorize it? I can Google anything I want to at any time. Why do I have to memorize it? I'll tell you why. Because if I was walking in a dark alley and some thugs came up to rob me and steal my shoes, I don't want to go to the Brazilian Jitsu handbook. Page 47. Try this grappling hold. Hey, can you hold it still just for one second? All right. This, I'm, I'm supposed to grab you here and roll you here and submit you here. I don't have time for all that. I got to be ready to go. I don't have time to go to the manual. The Brazilian Jitsu book, the karate book, the Taekwondo book. It's great, but if it's not in here, I don't know how to beat you. <laughs> when the devil comes to us, we're like, oh, 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 I gotta go to the manual. Google, search verses on anxiety. <laughs> how much easier is if you know Philippians 4 already in here? Yeah. Right? Then I just start going, wah, 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 wah. Because I know how to fight. Because I've got it memorized. I need to pray the Word of God. That's where I get my power and my authority. Friends, we need to be devoted. Christ followers sold out to the Word of God. Now more than ever, we need Christians who hold on to this as the authoritative, infallible Word of God that I will build my life upon the Word. Not according to pop culture and feelings. But I will build my life according to the Word of God and it will anchor me and it will sustain me and I will be strong. So your homework this week, just two or three times. Some of you, you know, just start out slow. Two or three times this week, read one chapter, pick one verse and journal it and then start to churn on it. Even try to memorize it. If you do that, I'm telling you, in 20 years' time, you will be a monster. You will be a Bible beast. You will have Bible abs. You will look like a Bible Arnold. We've got to get into the Word. Would you stand? Come on, lift your hands just for a second. Holy Spirit, we trust that you are the revealer. You are the illuminator 
I wouldn't even have known Jesus if you didn't first reveal him to me. But God, as your church, I thank you that we can be devoted. We can be sold out. We can be committed. And I ask you that you would show us how to be committed to your word. Holy Spirit, sometimes we open this and we don't always understand it. Sometimes we leave with more questions than answers. But we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would bring this alive in us. You are the revealer. God, this is your word. We ask you that you would speak it to us. Lord, that as we take the time to dial into your truth, God, that it would get into us. God, that your truth would set us free. Father, I thank you right now that we are not going to be a Bible illiterate church, but we are going to know the truth. We are going to stand for the truth. God, we thank you right now for your strength. Some of us go, yeah, I've tried that, but I've, I've failed. I've been weak. I've, I've not followed through. Right now, I just speak the strength of the, of the Holy Spirit to come and strengthen you. Maybe you're feeling weak in your Bible. Okay, dial it back. Just read one verse and then journal on that. You don't even have to read a whole chapter. We thank you, Lord, that your word is truth. It is the lamp unto our feet. It is the light unto our path. You know, in this moment, I'm aware that there might be people here this morning. And you would say, you know, James, I, I, I don't know the freedom of God. I don't know. I don't even know God. Maybe you came to church this morning because you've been going through some stuff. Maybe a friend invited you and you just thought it would be a good place to be. Can I tell you this, friend, that, that true freedom is only found in putting Jesus first in your life. That means that, that we need to invite him into our lives and ask him to forgive us of our sins. And then we need to align our lives to start to follow him in his ways. And I wonder if there are people this morning and you haven't come to that place in your life where you've invited him in. Friend, God's not angry with you. He's not ashamed of you and he's calling you home. He's inviting you in. But you need to respond. And the way you respond is by praying. I just wonder if there are people here right now in this moment that need to pray. You need to stop and you need to say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. And help me to live for you. If that's you and you're here and you know you need to pray, I want to pray with you right here and now. Just so I know who needs to pray that prayer, would you just give me a little wave? I'll see your hand and then you can put it back down again. I see your hand here. One lady saying, I need to pray this morning. Is there anybody else? Don't miss this moment. Is there anybody else that says, James, I need to do business with God. I need, to, I need to realign my life to His ways and His teachings. Awesome. Father, we just thank You, God, that Your grace is sufficient for us. Jesus, we thank You that You are the Savior. You are the forgiver of sin. God, I just speak right now, Lord, that, that we would know Your loving kindness and Your grace. Lord, for those of us this morning that might be wrestling loneliness or rejection, God, I speak right now that you are present, you are here right now, that we would know, God, your healing hand to come around us, your hand of comfort. God, for those of us that might be in the middle of a fight, God, I know that we all go through different things from time to time. And right now, I just speak a strengthening of the word over our church. Lord, that we can trust your truth. We can trust your word. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship.